Welcome back to the RDN Good Roller Pod. We are joined by a special guest today. He was a legend back in the day playing for the Oakland Skates and the RHI, also playing for Team USA. He is now the owner slash commish of Narch, the leading content producer in the roller world. Darren Goodwin, welcome to the pod. How you doing, man? Doing well, Rob. How are you guys? Doing good. I'm doing good. How's, uh, how's San Diego or is that? Yeah, I'm in uh, North County, San Diego, Del okay. Mar. Um, yeah, this whole zone's a good place to be. So I'm going to be locked down. It's not a bad place to be locked down. Nice. Are you, you're not in Encinitas anymore? No, it's, it's just about three, four miles south of there. So it's all kind okay. of the same zone, if you will. But okay. uh, yeah. Nice, nice. Gotcha. Kev, uh, we got Kevin Jordan here with us as well. Kev, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. It was, uh, it was an eventful weekend, to say the least. So oh, yeah. We got to skate on Friday here at the rink. That was nice. Um, <laughs> I think I went to beer or bed with a beer in my hand. And then uh, we had some beers for CJ's little get together. And then it was Mother's Day. So. It was a busy weekend and back to, back to reality at work today. So I'm doing well, George, how are you, man? Uh, same, same doing good. Uh, just hanging out. I was just watching some family feud. That's uh, that's what I've been doing these last couple of days actually. And, uh, you know, those episodes where you guys watch family feud or no? Ah, so of course. <laughs> pretty <Jeopardy> a lot. <laughs> okay. Well, those episodes where they're doing the fast money and they have like 30 points to get. And the guy like answers a question and gets like 50 points and the whole crowd goes crazy. So, you know, I'm just hanging out watching family food. <laughs> I like it. I like it. <laughs> well, we, uh, we got Darren here with Narch. We, you know, we had a cancellation on Narch East coast and out of everyone's control. And uh, we do hopefully have an arch West coast coming up. What's uh it's May 11th. You know, what's your, um, if it does happen, what do you guys, what's going to be in store for that kind of that weekend? Uh, I don't know. Let me uh, look in my crystal ball over here and rub it a little bit and I'll get right back to you. Rob. Honestly, I, I'm in the same boat as everybody else. Um, just, you know, trying to make the best day by day here. Uh, you know, kind of my philosophy with this all along is, you know, don't, don't rule out events way into the future until you know that there's just no way that they can happen. And I've, you know, kind of been doing that as we go along, obviously we're through the regional season and it's been tough. I mean, I haven't done anything since winter nationals event wise. And honestly, I mean, this has been my life the last 20 plus years, this time of year, almost every weekend I'm traveling. And, and, and so it's been, uh, it's been pretty rough for me personally, just to, as, as such a change of lifestyle. But um, uh, I think West coast, again, we're going to have to wait and see. Hopefully next week's news is a little better than the news right now. And the week after that's a little better than the news next week. And, you know, I would say we definitely have to make a decision um, one way or another early June, but uh, you know, I'm, optimistic, all systems go right now. And in terms of the second part of your question was, what's that going to look like? Um, it's not going to look like events used to look like, you know, we put a, all of us, everybody that's in the event business, you put a lot of time and energy into trying to create an atmosphere and, uh, you know, have a lot of energy in the building. And the irony is we're going to be doing the exact opposite of that. But most important thing is hopefully the games go off and everyone gets back to support they love. Absolutely. Hey, Dwyer, you got a moth in that room? I see a it's moth. A little, like, uh, it's a little like fruit fly. <laughs> Good old anyway. skating rink action. Yeah. No. So 
in, in about a week or two, two weeks, Memorial day. That's, that's usually, uh, that's usually your Joe Dumars weekend, man. Talk about that. I, I know you've spent a lot of time at that rink and for that rink to kind of be in the state it's in right now. It's, it's a bummer. I, I only spent a couple of years in college going to that rink, but I loved that place. Yeah, no, everything about it was, uh, was pretty special from the people that you, you know, a lot of those guys, I would see him basically twice a year. I'd see him at that regional, then I'd see him at the finals. Um, you know, the, the fact that they're now shut down <clears throat> is kind of, you know, one whammy. And then the second whammy is we can't do anything in that market to even see those people at another rink. Um, I guess yeah, I'm a little optimistic that I think that somebody is going to do something there, whether it's with that facility or, or something else. It's just, there's too many players there. There's too many players that want to play. And I, I think, uh, you know, the last time I talked to, uh, to Matt, he was, uh, working on trying to get a group together. I haven't really followed up with him on it, but, um, you know, everyone's just waiting to, waiting to see when anybody can get back to playing. And then I think they'll take it from there. It's premature to try to put a group of people to buy a facility or anything when we're still stuck here right now. Yeah. How, when was your first NARCH regional in at Dumars? Oh, geez. You mean me personally, or, uh, I mean, we were going there 97, somewhere around there, 97, 98. No, I think 98 was our first regional season and I'm sure we stopped there. I had been, I've probably been there almost every one of them, probably at least 18, 19 of them. I think I missed one year somewhere (laughs) in between. Yeah. I mean, I've seen that whole transition and I've heard some of the stories you guys have, have talked and, uh, uh, cause Hawkins was on yours, right? Was he talking yeah. to you guys? Yep. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, for him to talk about his father and, uh, you know, the people, everybody knows the people now, but the people before them, you know, with the holes running it and, you know, their, their kids were just little groms and now, you know, they're all in college. It was, uh, it's, it's neat to see the transition of everybody. What's one of your favorite memories from, uh, Dumars? <laughs> Uh, always love the bar. I'll tell you that. I mean, it's a, it's a good spot. It's a good, I mean, just the people in there and the conversations and, uh, you know, win or lose people go in there and they talk about the what ifs, if the ref didn't blow it, or if we didn't hit the post or this or that, you know, it's just, it's a good place to, to have a couple pops after the game. And, uh, and, and everybody certainly did. And it, it's, it, it was, a, it was a neat atmosphere between the rinks, but um, I mean, there's been so many, great games there. Um, I mean, I'll tell you a tidbit you guys probably don't know. I, I, we probably did this in the second or third year I took over Narch. So Oh three Oh four, uh, Nike was a sponsor Ooh. and we wanted to do a, uh, kind of a, a pro, a legitimate pro showcase there. So that's what we did. We got a lot of the pros that were within driving distance. And I don't oh, wow. think, I don't remember if I gave money out or not, but it was almost like an all-star game. So we split up the teams, ProJoy did jerseys, uh, Nike gave Walkmans to everybody, which was cool. That's kind of yeah. how I got them out. And uh, <laughs> it might not have been, well, not Walkmans, but uh, something, whatever Nike had at the time that was an MP3 player or, or whatever. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a cool thing. I remember a lot of great players played, you know, the who's who at that time. And uh, it was pretty cool. Yeah. You, you mentioned it like the bar in that place. It was, it was so like 
well located. It was right between the two rings. So anytime you got done, like you basically had to kind of like pass the bar. If you were going to another rink, if you were leaving the rink. So yeah, like you said, everybody would kind of rendezvous after their games and stuff. And yeah, that, that, that bar was a great, great little spot in that place for sure. Yeah, no, they, uh, I mean, even until they quit, you know, we had the, you and I, I think you, a couple of years we had, ago, we yep. were rocking the jukebox there towards the end of the night. Yeah, and I think nice. we did a podcast at one point and, uh, yeah, just a lot of really, really good people. So I, I surely hope that, uh, they're able to salvage something and, and at least get a, uh, you know, get a rink, get a league, keep the sport alive. I mean, there's, there's a couple of rinks that are still going, but, um, you know, to replace Dumars is not easy. Yeah. I mean, that's like a hotbed for roller. There's so many talented players that came out of there. NHL players too. Hello. Yeah. 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 It was, I mean, it was always the toughest regional. I mean, you know, the ones in California (laughs) are bigger, but there was, there was, I remember one time, I think it was, um, what were they? The dragons or radiation or something like this. This team got like 14th out of a 16 team Bantam division. I'm probably going back 12 years, 10 years. Okay. Um, they didn't win a game, um, but they're, they're like, all right, well, we're silver. I'm like, I, I honestly, I'm not having, I know you guys didn't win a game, but this region is so much stronger Yeah. because you're talking about that same Bantam division. You know, the top four teams are all interchangeable and they can all pretty much beat everybody else in the country. Yeah. So just because you ended up so low doesn't automatically make you a silver team. We went back and forth. I eventually did let them play silver and they won silver. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, yeah. The, I mean, like you have Missouri right there and Chicago. So I could just imagine the regionals that come out of there are just insane. Yeah. And the blast used to travel, you know, better than they, they have. I mean, everybody used to travel more. The sport was different before, uh, you know, before ice hockey went completely bonkers, but, um, you know, and then you had even all the ice guys in Detroit, you know, they really, you still have some that, that, you know, and that's why there's so many good players that are still playing roller or from around that area. But, um, I mean, I remember seeing, you know, honey baked teams that were, it was their honey baked ice team and they would just, convert over and they would play the regional and you know, you don't see that anymore. There's too many ice tournaments. Nice. Um, you took, you said you took over Nitro on 0304 and I free, I keep forgetting the fellow's name that you took it over from. Um, but I wanted you to talk about the process and what was it like? Like what was the state of road hockey at the beginning of, and how did you want to become like a tournament director? If that's what you strive to do. Um, well, it, I, I started with NARCH at the beginning. Um, 94 was the first year, but I was that I was a tournament director and I took it over in 02, actually the, uh, the fall of 01, right before the 02 season in January of 02, we still didn't know where we were going to go for the 02 finals, the 02 finals that ended up being in, in, uh, Minnesota. As of January, we still weren't certain where we were going to go for that event. Wow. And everything just lined up absolutely perfectly. Um, Jordan, to answer your question, so Paul Chapey and Jeff Mason were the two founders of NARCH. And back then, it was it was quite a bit different in that Paul was the hockey tournament guy, and Jeff was the, uh, the marketing guy. Um, back then you had, you know, there were magazine publications, people were a lot, putting a lot of money into print. 
sponsors were, were spending a lot of dollars. So, you know, the revenue stream for NARCH when it started, there was more sponsorship than there were tournament entry fees. Um, wow. For, for quite a while. Um, I would say up into probably 01, 2001, you know, I just, right when I got in is kind of when we saw, all right, well, this is going to seesaw, but you know, the sponsors, sponsorship dollars with companies not doing as well and starting to fail and, and going out of business, that's going to fade And the tournament entries with more teams playing and more teams playing, that's going to go up. So you know, part of our thing when figuring out, you know, what the valuation of the company was, was, all right, well, where's this, you know, where's this going to be in five, 10 years? You know, are you going to be able to get more teams to sustain uh, the amount of income that we've brought in at the beginning of NARCH? I mean, sponsors are spinning at the beginning. I mean, it was, it's pretty nuts. Um, but in a good way, I mean, I wouldn't have been able to take over NARCH in 02 if it weren't for the fact um, Bravo Corporation, which was Hyper, and a couple other things, um, along with Tour and along with Mission, those three guy or those three companies, which the head of those companies at the time were Walt Frazier with Tour, um, Joe with Mission, and then um, what was his name? Uh, I can't believe I just spaced on the Hyper guy's name, but I dealt with Boyd Sutton a lot back in the day, and he was a friend and ally of mine. So those three companies, what we did was we got them to agree to come up with um, $75,000 for the initial payment to Paul as uh, just a start of that buyout. So how we did that was $25,000 of the next three years of sponsorship would be taken out, um, you know, of their, of their ultimate sponsorship payment. So it was kind of a, it was a win-win. They, they basically fronted me the money to take over NARCH, which was awesome. Wow. That's pretty uh, cool. To see, like, from that story to see, like, where it's taken off and the monster that it's become, it's a pretty cool how, like, we don't all know how everything just added up and everything, how everything had to fall in place for it to work. Well, funny you say that. So, Paul, the, the most teams in 2001, I believe we had, um, what do we have? We had 200. See if I get my math right. I think we had 270 teams, 260 teams, something like that in 01. So in 02, when I took over, I made Paul a bet. I, I said, Paul, I'll tell you what, because he, you know, he's retiring and he's golfing a lot. I said, I bet we can get at least 300 teams at the Narch Finals in Minnesota. And you know, there's no teams from Minnesota. Like everybody's coming in. I mean, I think we had four teams from the state of Minnesota play. And uh He's like, okay, what do you want? What do you want to bet? Whatever is fine. I said, okay, well, if, if I win, you take me anywhere around a golf, all expenses are on you. And if you win vice versa. So uh, we, we picked our places ahead of time and Paul wanted to play in uh, Pinehurst, North Carolina. And oh, wow. I'm like, well, I'm, I'm just going to, I, I want to go to Pebble beach. I've never been to Pebble beach. <laughs> to Pebble beach. Okay. So, um, what he didn't understand was that I already knew that if I took over, I'm adding a silver division because there's a whole, <laughs> there's a whole level of players that want to play Narch that just can't play Narch. So in 02 is when I implemented the silver division and that's how we had, uh, that's how we hit the number of teams. <laughs> I could be wrong though. I mean, we may have already had, it was either, the number was either 300 or 350. It may have been 350. 
Um, but I know it was a plateau that we've never hit. He just like balked at me. He's like, he took you <laughs> I've worked so hard for so long. There's no way you're going to jack this by another 30 teams. So. Did he take you out and take you to the golf and everything like held up to his bet? It took him two and a half years, but yes, we went and played, uh, took, <laughs> t- took a little bit of badgering every time I talked to him, but, um, maybe not two and a half years. It was at least a year, but we eventually got to Pebble beach and had a great time. So before that you were saying that you only had generally a gold and platinum divisions. Exactly. Okay. And then, exactly. so if you qualified for Narch and you didn't make gold or platinum, you obviously, you couldn't go. Correct. Well, back in the day, it was even, it was even way tougher than that. I mean, okay. when we, when Snarch, excuse me, when Narch started, um, you had to finish first or second to even get invited to Narch. Wow. You couldn't, you couldn't come to Narch unless you finish first or second in a regional qualifier. So we had teams from Southern California that were going up to Oregon just because they had a better chance of finishing first or second (laughs) to be able to come to the Narch finals. I mean, they did it right. They built, they built a demand at the highest level. Like you're not playing Narch unless you belong, you know, unless you are in that conversation of the best teams around. And it's funny because that that rule up into even almost this day, there are still some people who grew up with that, who now have kids that don't understand kind of how it works now and everything. And uh, so it's, it's pretty funny to have some of those conversations of how tough it was to even play at Narch at the beginning. And then of course, what it is today, which is pretty much, you know, as long as you've got a motivated team, we've got a place for you to play in our tournament. Um, yeah. I mean, I remember playing in Arch. When so I- we sold out basically. That's what's what we did. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when I was probably like tens playing Narch, my first Narch experience. And I did not know what to expect. You know, I just played local hockey. So I think it was in Cincinnati, I believe. And we went and it was a mercy, I think almost every game, which wasn't a good showing. And it was just, but then you got, I got there and I was like, I heard, I heard that was all goaltending though. That was the issue with yeah, that I think team. My nickname, were even. Yeah. I think my nickname was Swiss cheese or something. I don't know, but it was a, uh, it was it like, it was a pretty cool eye opener to experience. Like I'd never been to something like that. And I was like, wow, this is, this is pretty amazing. This is fun. So, you know, getting to go back home and tell my friends like, Oh my God, got killed, but you have no idea how good the hockey is, you know, like we'll give you something to work for and know that there's, you know, the platinum was like the highest level. And I was like, I want to touch that, but I want to be good when I touch that. So, yeah, you, you got to have realistic expectations. Everyone just wants to play competitive games. Unfortunately, it didn't sound like you did that year, but uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, it kept you coming back and you know, now you, in your mind, you know, that's what it was. It was, it was yeah. the best. Yeah, no, it that was, was that was my first year too. Um, we went to Phoenix for a regional and we won, uh, at the castle. That was it. We, we got uh, placed in platinum cause we played Excalibur. And, yeah. And then we went to Cincinnati that year too. Fromm took us, we were in platinum. We played, uh, we played the blast and we played the smoke in round Robin. And those are the two teams that ended up going to the championship. And I think the smoke, ran through the blast that game in the championship. If my memory serves me correct, but we tied a random team called the young guns, I think. And then we get mercy by the Cincinnati Bobcats. Don't even sniff the playoffs. And we lose by like one or two goals to the smoke and the blast, but that's just how it was. I mean, it's, it's a incredible, it's a great, great 
level of competition. Uh, I'll never forget from yelling at me for that <laughs> game that we got mercied. But uh, yeah, like that was, that was an eye opener. You know, like my dad, I think I might, what did my dad called it? He called it like the godfather of tournaments, like way back when, when uh, we were like going down the schedule of what tournaments we were hitting that summer and stuff. So yeah, Cincinnati, that was uh, that was a wild place. <laughs> you know, that was a, that was a tough tournament for me. I, I, I mean, I knew there would be pros and cons to going to that facility. The pros being, you know, it's, it's very centrally located. A lot of teams are going to come. I knew that we would have a, a record turnout that year. We had 376 or 378 teams. Um, so my, my inkling was right in that regard, but I took a beating because of the facility. I mean, all you look at all the places we had gone prior to that. I mean, they're, they're top notch facilities in vacation destinations and for the people who were your diehard Narch people who had been three, four, five, six years, and then they go to Cincinnati, it's like, wah, wah, wah. you know, it's, it's just, not, it's just not what they're used to. Um, and I, you know, I tried to warn some people internally. I said, look, the hockey's going to be great. It's going to be a place you've never been. The facility is not what you're used to, but I, I don't want to keep going to the same places all the time. People are spending their family vacations, um, you know, based upon where the Narch finals are every year. And I, I do want to kind of keep moving around if I can. So. Well, all that being said, kudos to you. Cause that was still Rob and I's first Narch, you know, like yeah. finals experience. And we're, we were like, Oh my God, this is the best thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> so it, I think it ended up working out, you know, some, somewhat in the long run a bit. So. No, absolutely. And, you know, on that note, just like you said, you know, you've been doing this for 20, 20 odd years, something like that. You've had regionals all over the place. You've had nationals at at finals, sorry, at at quite a few places. What, what are some of your most memorable venues and some of like your most memorable uh, events that, that you've had through all the years that you can remember? Um, well, right off the top of my head, it's Florida, Florida and, uh, Tico, Tico arena that became Jermaine arena. Um, you know, it could be due to the frequency because we went there so much, but you know, we went there. Oh, one, Oh three, Oh five, Oh seven, um, 11, 14, 15, 16. I think that sounds about right. Something Mm -hmm. like that. So, you know, I, I, I really kind of, I mean, I spent a lot of, you know, you're talking about, you add it all up. It's probably a year of my life. I spent in, uh, in Florida. (laughs) So, um, you know, it's, it's just, it's a special venue. Every, so many different great players went through there because we went there so many times. So I have, you know, just a ton, a ton of great memories. Um, but the other places are cool too. I loved, I love the facility. I love the Hershey center in Ontario. I love the Brampton center in 2000 before that. Um, in fact, I think that's where I met Jeff, um, with the stallions. I think that was the first year oh, wow. they, they brought the stallions was in 2000, if I remember right. Wow. Um, and even, you know, San Jose, San Jose for its own reasons is just an amazing, you know, for, for a place that is built for roller hockey, you know, um, I mean, I'm, I'm going back. I, you guys probably saw a couple of weeks ago, I went through footage from 2012 and it's like, man, 
place was epic. Yeah. And uh, it's unfortunate that the, one of the rinks, they're now, uh, excuse me, they now converted one of the rinks. And uh, so it's only a two rink facility now. So uh, unfortunately, no more uh, big, great narch tournaments there. It's improbable with just two rinks, but um, yeah. yeah. And then of course, Irvine's Irvine, you know, Irvine is California roller hockey. So for people, we're spoiled, everyone that lives here, because we, you know, we get to experience it all the time, but I'm, I'm smart enough to know that it is a very cool facility. So the people that come through there that have never been there, I mean, they get the best of everything. It's, you know, Southern California, they get the beach um, and they get to play some great hockey in a great venue. What has, how have you seen the change in the evolution of the pro roller hockey as you've gone on for them? In pro, I mean, you guys have kind of beat it up on this podcast and, uh, I'm, uh, Kevin, I'm going to keep swatting those things. You got, I'm trying, dude. I know. I'm sorry. Got to get some moth killer or something in that <laughs> bad boy. It's bad. Is, you got like you got stains on the roof there. Is that like you got a leak? Watermark. Whoa, Whoa, it's hey, come on, let's get back is. to the question. You got a leak. We, don't gotta, we don't gotta worry about a building that's older than me, okay? <laughs> this thing's been here for a long time. I just want to make sure you're not gonna like drop anything in your lungs and you're gonna be with us here in a couple of years <laughs> in that place. Um Jordan, to answer your question, uh, you know, again, I think you guys have touched on similar similarities with talking to other people as to how I feel, you know, the game is, is different than it used to be. Um, I think what's cool about it now is that I can see a kid kind of grow up from the age of 12, 13 and know that he loves to play roller hockey and know that he's going to be playing pro in five, six years. So, um, I mean, Jaden Guzman's a good example of that. He actually came along a little quicker than I thought he would, but, um, you know, there's a lot of players like that. They look up to playing pro and, and that's what they want to do. And they love the sport and they play back in the day. It was more like ice guys getting together, you know, having an opportunity back then, a lot of the teams were sponsored. So it's like, all right, well, you want to come join us for this? We play ice together. You want to come join us for this roller deal over a weekend? And, <laughs> and they come and they play. Um, but then, you know, you had guys that were very loyal to the sport, too. Um, it just kind of depends on what, what gap of time, you know, you're really talking about. Because it was different between from 95 to 2000. It changed to 05. It changed again to 010. I mean, every, you know, every five years, the sport kind of how I see it, it changes in a way. Where do you think it was its best? Do you think now it's then, or do you think back then? Mm. It's a, that's a loaded question. I mean, I, I think that, that players, there are a lot of players that played back then that would translate and do really well now still. And there are players now that would, that would dominate back then. I mean, the equipment's obviously gotten a lot better. Um, you know, the wheels have gotten better. Guys have gotten faster. The floor has gotten better. Um, the speed of the game is, you know, again, you guys have, have killed it on here with talking about it. The speed of the game is up. The contact is down. It's fun to watch. It's fun to play. Um, but I would say that the guys back then could shoot the puck better for sure. Um, hundred percent stick to that, but I would say it's total speed they can't hold a candle to some of the guys that are flying around now. So 
Yeah, I mean, like when you post those, uh, when you post the pictures, the throwback pictures, I think from Cincinnati, uh, you see just the how big some of the players were and the physicalness of those pictures of, you know, roughing into the boards and stuff. So you see some of the players now, you know, it's, it's kind of a... I'm oh, sorry about that. <laughs> it's uh, it, like, you're right. It's two different kind of games, two totally different types of games. Um, what's one of your most memorable games you've seen at Narch being in Narch pro. Hmm. Uh, Oh, three was a good, good one. Rink rat beat Mudcats in overtime. Um, and that oh, play final that picture, I think that place, I got a video of that. That place was, uh, was it Oh three or Oh five? No, it was Oh three place was packed. Yeah. Even Jermaine arena. There's a lot of people there. Um, block shot at one end. Jerry came back the other side, threaded it to somebody. Um, he scored or Jerry got the puck and he scored, but, um, very memorable game. That was the year that, uh, Michael Hunt ran around, you know, talking about how they were the best in the world. Cause they had won, I think tours gave up like 50 grand that one year in Buffalo or something. So, and they were, oh. they were on a tear. They won uh, quite a few things in a row. Um, we've had a lot of great overtime games. Uh, Oh, nine. I think when the Mudcats won against mission in Canada, and um, that was a good one. You, uh, uh, Johnny Max scored the game winner. Um, the the one when Revision won in twelve, that was a really memorable one. Um, you know, San Jose, a, yeah. I mean, we you know we've had a lot of really good pro overtime games over the last twenty years, so we've been pretty fortunate. Out of out of all these years, I mean, we we kind of know the heavy hitters in today's game. Who who's somebody that you remember back from you know like two thousand, two thousand one, two thousand two that was just like dominant? Um, that doesn't get the credit they deserve. Sure, because that's kind of part of it. Um, yeah. Because you guys, you know, you do talk about some of the guys quite a bit. Um, I would say Taj. I was going to say the one that that I have read about and heard is, is Taj Melson. He, yeah, he was good. He was, he was a good all around player. He kind of quarterbacked from the, you know, did everything on the rink. Well, mm. uh, again, Jerry was dominant. Um, Jerry St. Cyr, he was, I mean, he's a guy that if he played today, he, you know, guys would, he, he would still be, it probably is effective because I, I don't think anyone can knock him off the puck. You know, he still has a cannon for a shot. Um, he would just need somebody to to feed him because he's not going to, you know, he's not going to dangle three guys. But if if you get him the puck in the slot, it's it's a goal. And, you know, if he's in the corner fighting for the puck, you're not coming out with it. So, you know, there are aspects of, of his game that would still translate. Rob, what what was Joe telling you that he would do? That he would like sneak his stick into like somebody's glove or something like that? Oh yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. He would, yeah, I forgot what he was telling me, but yeah, he would sneak his uh, stick into someone's glove and always just mess with them or kind of just basically just pull their glove kind of down or off. Well, I remember off faceoffs, like you know, I would because I would always take faceoffs against him, and I think it was. Uh, in 97 in Vancouver. And I just, after that tournament, I think we had to play him twice and it was so bruised after, you know, and I, I didn't take shit either. Like I gave it back to him, but you know, it's like after we take a face off, you know, wherever the puck ends up going, the puck's going, but he's, he now has that second or two second opportunity to just 
you know, stick his stick in my ribs or do whatever he's going to do at that particular <laughs> point. Don't let Joe fool you. Joe was dirty. <laughs> Joe was not, I mean, he, did you and, play against and, him a lot? Oh yeah. hundred percent. And oh, he, what's uh, your good Joe cook story? Well, he, I mean, we got along well, he, he, he probably had better. He, I mean, you could imagine him back in the day. He had really good banter on the rink too. Um, <laughs> but he was fuck. He was dirty. Um, like, I just, I mean, I, I've got the pictures to prove it. She wanted to dig through a bunch of Joe Cook pictures, but, uh, who was, who was, and, dirty? I, and I don't mean it, I, I don't mean it in a really, like, if you didn't do something to him, usually he's not going to go out of his way to do something to you. But if, if you rub him into the boards wrong, you're, you're going to pay for it tenfold for whatever you did to him. He's going to get you better. And usually, usually it was just with his stick. I mean, he wasn't like the guy to really do anything. Uh, you know, he's not going to drop the mitts and fight you, even though he talked like he would and he was tough. Um, but he, he was pretty, you know, he was deadly with the stick. <laughs> Who would you rather go in a corner against Siebel or cook? Oh, they're so different. Siebel's just, he's just strong. Him and I played together for, uh, NRHI the first year. And, uh, he was probably in my opinion, the best hitter in the league. Um, he was just good at lining guys up. Um, and you know who else was really, really tough. You brought up cook. Um, cause Jamie cook was super strong oh, too. Jamie oh, cook okay. was a guy that, uh, I mean, I wouldn't, I would, you know, I don't have a problem going in the corner with Joe. And, um, and I, I, I mean, you know, I'd go in the corner with pretty much, pretty much any of them, but Jamie was, Jamie was strong. Like he he's was a just, big guy too, right? In, in shape. And yeah, he was just, he had a different level of strength to him. And I mean, that's, that's how Chad was to a certain extent, but Jamie was uh, bigger than Chad in the same kind of deal. If that makes sense. You were, uh, you said you played in the RHI. What was that like playing back then in the RHI where you know, you're playing in these arenas and, uh, it was, I get just a different game. Only played one. Well, technically I played two years. So the first year you guys probably saw that recent, um, documentary or whatever that's kind of floating around with the RHI, yeah. uh, the rock and roll thing or whatever it is. Um, I can't look at my screen with Kevin doing his shit, like running around and stuff. Like <laughs> he's a savage. I'm out of my element, dude. I don't do this at work, so I'm yeah. sorry. No, you're <laughs> fine. You're fine. I just I'm I'm struggling concentrating. So RHI the first year um, was '91. It was the summer of uh, summer '92, and we went on tour, and it was Team USA against Team Canada, and uh, it was basically like a five stop tour to just try to sell franchises. So our first game was at the great Western forum and, uh, that was pretty cool. You know, um, Luke Robitaille was commentating and it was, you know, it was, it was on, I think ABC sports on a Saturday afternoon. And so that was a neat thing. It went from, uh, LA to Phoenix to Vancouver. And then the last stop I think was Vegas and both teams, um, bus together. We take the same bus. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but we kind of separated like after the first game, cause guys didn't really know each other. And then, you know, we're pretty heated on the rink. So all the Canadians in the front, American guys are in the back. First bus ride to Phoenix. 
And our goalie, Don Thompson, um, rest in peace, Don passed away about five years ago. Um, he's the biggest shit talker you'll ever meet in your life. And he's Canadian, but he was playing for Team USA. <laughs> so he was talking. So these guys were ready to kill him on the way to Phoenix. And then he played in Phoenix and he got absolutely shelled. And uh, so then after, you know, after, all right, they want to get, we won the first game. They won the second game. It's like, and we're going all the way from Phoenix. Now we got to go to Vancouver. Like that's a long bus ride. So we kind of started intertwining and, you know, a lot of Canadians like to play cards too. So we all got to know each other a little bit better and uh, it all worked out. But the next year um, was the Oakland skates. And, uh, we ended up going to the finals uh, against the Bullfrogs. We had no business in the finals. We limped in the playoffs, but we, we went to the championship. And the pay structure was unique because, you know, you got however much you got a week. I think it was 400 bucks, something like that, 450 But then once you made the playoffs, you basically got like an extra grand for every game that you won in the playoffs. So you really started making money once you got into the playoffs, which was cool. Um, God, I feel like I'm talking too fast because there's so much to talk about. Um, <laughs> no, you got you got time. <laughs> all right. So one funny story. Um, we played at the Oakland Coliseum. And uh, next to the Oakland Coliseum is the, uh, is the, ba- the baseball diamond, right? So mm-hmm. we got introduced on the third baseline of an Oakland A's game. Oh, so, no way. Yeah. So we're, you know, and it's a day game. So we're walking through the... Uh, the dugout and you know, we're walking by all the guys and a lot of the guys are really, really cool. Um, who was it? Like McGuire was cool. You know, guys were, guys were cool. Except for Ricky Henderson. He was a (laughs) dick. He walked by, he walked by every guy on our team, like chest out, arms out. You know, he's a, he he was like a small big guy anyway. Right. And he's walking by us all and just like looked through us and we got a whole hockey team walking the other way. You know, the other guys are all like, Hey, what's up? Good luck with the season, blah, blah, blah. But not Ricky. Not Ricky. <laughs> Ricky we don't like roller. <laughs> wow. Oh, That's man. Was, uh, oh, go ahead. Was, was Yoder playing with you on that team as well? No, no. This was before. I think he played later. Okay. Um, so that was in 93 In 94, I moved to San Diego and that's kind of when I got, uh, went a different route with the USAR stuff, got in with the hosers, uh, 95 was the first world championships. That's when I, I just kind of transitioned my life down, down here. And I, I knew that, uh, I don't know. I wish I would have played a couple more years of RHI to be honest with you, but they really brought in like with our team, it was it was a, it was a scam as to who made the team. It was a complete, there was like 130 some guys at this tryout, right? It's a big tryout. <laughs> it's a big tryout, but here's the kicker. Like they dwindle it down. They dwindle it down. They dwindle it down to like 15 guys. So you're thinking to yourself, all right, well, here's the team. Mm-mm. Next day, Gary Unger, you probably know who Gary Unger is. He had the, uh, uh, all time record for most goals played or most games played without a, he was like the Cal Ripton of, of ice hockey, right? Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Dang. So Gary was our coach and he was coaching for the Tulsa Oilers at the time, which is central hockey league. So Unger comes in 15 guys, scrapped them all, except for two of us. 
scrapped them all, brought in all the toys, Tulsa Oilers. And that was the, that was our team. Whole not, all, not all of them, but the rest of them. But like, they just, it was just a, you know, it was a scam to make money off these guys paying like a hundred bucks to try out for a team and uh, see what happens. And yeah, I mean, I was just, I was lucky. I was like, I, I don't know. He must've just not, he didn't bring enough guys. So I, I was like the last guy that made the team and had a spot. And then, uh, so, yeah, and that's that's how all the teams were those first couple of years. Was, it was just was Chad the other guy that was there with you, or did he come with the Tulsa Oilers? He played for Tulsa Oilers. Yeah, he yeah. came. Yeah, he came <laughs> with him, his brother. Both they were on the Tulsa Oilers, and they came. That's Chad didn't even. Chad will tell you this if if you ask him stories about what he knew about roller hockey at the time, like it was it was already the end of the season. He's like, Goody, Goody, come here. He goes, how do you change these? How do you change these bearings and wheel things again? I'm like, Chad, don't play stupid. I'm not changing your fucking wheels, dude. But he did that like for a whole summer. Sucker you into changing. Oh, wait, well, I wouldn't change. I'd be like, yeah. oh, you got a trainer. They even they even brought Billy, the trainer from the Toll Soilers. <laughs> Big Billy. Yeah. Wow. Were you guys playing on a concrete or sport court? First year concrete. It okay. was, uh, yeah, it was concrete there. It was concrete at the forum. Um, and it was full contact, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that was, I mean, that was the problem. Like there was one guy who was on a, uh, seems Aldi or something. He was on a under contract. He had played for the Tulsa Oilers in the past, but he was playing in Europe. Um, I think in Italy and he was a pretty big guy, had a pretty good contract making, you know, 70, 80 grand or whatever at the time for playing, you know, uh, professional hockey over there and second game blew out his knee. Wow. Like, yeah. So it was like, yeah, it was, it was tough. I mean, the guys, I mean, it's the same thing that would happen with ice, but even yeah. you were more susceptible to that because you can't move on wheels on concrete, especially if you're not used to them and, don't know how to change your wheels. Did you guys have like a medical staff and stuff on board? Like how, like, how was it? Like it's professional. Oh yeah. hundred yeah, percent. It was uh we had, we had trainer, um, you know, I mean, we were treated like pros. So you get, you get done, you throw, you know, you throw your dirty laundry and, and you've got your bag and they wash your bag. They bring all your shit back clean. It's hanging in your stall. It's yeah, it was, nice. it was I mean, it was, I won't say NHL, but it was like playing minor league hockey. So nice. Well, I, I don't know about you guys. I kind of want to transition a little bit. I just, yeah, I want to ask you D I mean, as Rob mentioned in the intro, man, you, you make all of your own content. You, you are behind a camera for a big, you know, chunk of the tournament because you know what you're capable of doing as far as shooting and as far as editing and putting these videos together. Where, where did your love for that kind of start from? How did, how did you get into that and get to the level that you're at now with it? Uh, I've always loved to do it. I mean, uh, you can, in fact, I've got, there's pictures that Ross Stepman would take of me with a real crappy video camera, you know, trying to put stuff together in the early two thousands. But I mean, even in the nineties, like I, I wish I could find a couple things that, you know, I was taking, you know, we were just recording in on VHS tapes, you know, recording our, you know, a couple of USARS tournaments we'd play in and stuff like that. Um, but really it was more photography based, like in, in junior high school, I, I was really into photography. I mean, I ran around with the, 
35, 35 millimeter and was, you know, in photo class. And then I became the guy's, uh, what do you call it? The, not apprentice, but you're the, you know, you're the teacher's helper and TA, teacher's yeah, assistant, so I'm, yeah. you know, I'm helping him and, and yeah, I mean, just everything back in the day, you know, back then it was so different cause it wasn't digital. So it's, you know, it was, uh, it was in a dark room and, you know, you can smell emotion still. And it's, uh, it was, you develop your own stuff. It was cool. I love the whole process to it of creating. And so as technology kind of just got better and better and I, you know, I started shooting stuff digitally. Um, yeah, I just, I know, I know people, whether they want to admit it or not, they, I think everyone admits it now, but five, 10 years ago, it's like, yeah, well, that's cool. You got the, you know, but before social media completely took off, my point is that, you know, if I had stuff of myself way back in the day, I'd be stoked to see it. And I'm sure that other people feel the exact same way. So that's what I put a lot of effort and energy into doing is capturing all these moments that I see at our events in hopes that, um, you know, it's going to stoke out the person that, uh, that did the goal or made the save or blocked the shot or, or did whatever. And, and I think I was certainly ahead of my time in, in what I thought this would become. And as you see, I mean, now everybody's doing it and, um, I'm, I'm still happy to, to keep doing it. Well, at this point, I mean, like if you're not doing it, then you're, you're going to be falling way, way behind with everything going on and stuff. So no, it's uh, it, it is, it is amazing to kind of like watch you work. I had a good chance to do that. Um, in Toronto, uh, was that 2013? Yeah. Yeah. That was the, tw- that was the 20 year anniversary, right? It was, it was. Yeah. Yeah, no, you hung out with, a, with, uh, with Monroe, man. I've been seeing him doing his stuff and I, I just, I'm like, man, I should tell him I need, I want a job like that again. Cause he could probably figure it out for me. But, uh, yeah, no, that was, that was an awesome experience for me and just getting to see you kind of, you know, doing your thing. And then, you know, 20 minutes later you look at Instagram and you're like, Jesus, this video's nasty. Did, uh, Jordan, Rob, did you guys ever see that 20 year anniversary video? I remember seeing that because that was for Walk too, right? Yeah, or was, no, it was a different one. Or did Walk have his own? He had his own. Okay, yeah, yeah. I saw the twenty, uh, the twenty-year anniversary one. I remember seeing that. That was a, that was a sick video. It was like seven minutes long, right? I think it was like ten, eleven. But um, okay. I guess my point is, you know, Kevin, we had some downtime that tournament because there wasn't quite as many teams, so we would have pops up in the editing room and kind of put that in in. Monroe and I had a blast putting that together because I took all the, you know, a lot of, you were going through tape then too, weren't you? Yeah. We had, I had some VHS stuff. I still do. Like I still have, uh, yeah. Um, I mean, I I don't want you guys to think like I have every, and that's the problem with social media. Now (laughs) people are like, Hey, we played in a, we played in a regional (laughs) Manitoba and we got third place back in 2004. Can you send us that shootout please? It's like, yeah, I just don't, you know, yeah. My depth is not, is not quite there, but, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I enjoy it. I, I mean, I guess the criticism though, I feel like now people understand, but I think, uh, call it maybe four or five years ago. Um, and I think that some other people in the industry would kind of use this to their advantage is they would try to create a misconception that I don't care about customers because I'm on the other side of the rink, you know, with my head buried in a camera you know, ignoring people. And it, and it, and it wasn't that at all. It's just, 
you know, I can, I've got choices. I can either carry on a conversation with the father after, uh, as we're watching his son make a save, or I can try to capture that so they can uh, enjoy it at a later Always moment. be able to relive it. And uh, I, I think there's a balance though. And, and there's a balance I've been trying to strike. And, you know, that's why I've had guys like Lionel come on board and, and, uh, and some other people where, you know, that way, you know, I don't have to just hundred percent be focused on it. I know that he does such a great job. He can go capture it too. And we can kind of do it together and collaborate, which is a lot of fun. But, um, if I have to handle an issue or if there's somebody that needs somebody, something else that needs my attention, I have the tournament directors to handle most of that stuff, but I should still be available to do that and not, you know, up on a lift and, and saying, I can't, you know, I don't have time for what's going on ring three or whatever. So I try to strike a balance. Yeah, no, I think the, uh, I mean, like Kev said, the content you've been putting out, it's just, it's always been there too. You can look all the way back from, I mean, years and years back, you have a game, you have something. And I think that's really cool to be able to look back when you're older or when you're, you know, even younger. I mean, even now, you know, after you just got done playing a game, you know, people are like, I wonder if you got that on tape, you know, even pros all the time. It's, uh, it's pretty funny. So, and it's, it's pretty cool to see that you, you're the one behind it too. You know, it's not, you know, hiring someone else out or something. It's, the owner of the tournament, they're behind them doing it. So I think that's pretty cool and unique. Well, I'm glad that you, you think like that, Rob. And that's, that's what I hope that most people now kind of think and understand um, because it hasn't always quite been like that. Um, I mean, still now it's funny because when I, you know, when I took over Narch, people were questioning like, yeah, this guy's a great player, but does he have enough business sense to run this business and do it right? And now, you know, here we are, so many years later and they're, you know, a, most people don't know I even played B um, a lot of people don't even know I own the tournament. They're just like, Hey, cameraman, come here for a second. And we have a conversation. <laughs> it's, you know, I'm cool with it, man. I just kind of, I crack up and I'm like, Hey, Oh man, that's um, funny. Yeah, it is. I mean, I, I have some laughs with it sometimes, but, uh, well, what, what amazes me is the turnaround you, you have now. We, uh, I, we got worked by nitrous out at winners and Guzman had, I don't know what, two, three, four highlight reel goals. And I go, I, I get done talking to the team. Yeah. I get done talking to the team. I go to the conics booth. It's like 15 minutes after the game. And I pull up Instagram. I look at the story and, and there's Guzman walking two kids and just saying, see you later to my goalie. And I'm like, I look at Nick and I'm like, this happened 30 minutes ago. And he, and Nick just goes, Darren doesn't fuck around. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and and that one, that one you're talking about, I remember it, it was on, um, it wasn't on the main rank and it was a a GoPro. I think it was a GoPro and I just put the GoPro up and then I saw that happen. I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and take this footage, go put it up real quick. And then I'll bring yeah. it back. So I kind of cheated on that one. I know. The oh, whatever. You're talking but, about, but, but again, it, it just like we're saying technology and the accessibility that you have to take an SD card out of a camera, pop it in your computer, edit something real quick, get it on the page. Like it's seamless, yeah. you know, it's seamless. And it, it's my, I've always thought with, with what you do, you're, you're much, you're much more like quality over quantity. You know, tours and tours and state wars, they live stream every game, but they're, you know, you're not going to have the great vantage point that, you know, you're getting of some of these goals all the time. 
And so, it, it, you know, you could call it a double-edged sword if you want, but it, the, the angles that you get are always looking very, very um, presentable and marketable for, you know, the sport. So it, it's, it's, it's amazing your turnaround with these two. Well, I appreciate that. And I think, you know, and certainly not taking anything away from those guys, I think they've, they've all stepped up their game to your point. Um, and we all do value it a little bit differently. And I think the customer wins because of that. And yeah, I, I can, you know, again, I may look goofy putting, I'm leaning out of the penalty box, put my camera low because I want this. I know who's pulling the trigger on this shot. And I know it's going to look super sick if he, if he puts it in the corner and that's what I'm envisioning could happen. And so that's what I'm trying to capture. And this goes all the way back to, to the guys before me with Paul and Jeff that own Narch. You know, they, they wanted not, they, they always wanted Narch to look as professional as it possibly could and show the sport in the coolest way we can possibly share it. And that's part of the reason Jeff was involved from day one with the magazine aspect of things. And that's part of the reason that the sponsors spent all the money is everyone had the same sort of vision that, all right, we want, we want to make sure that if you're, if you're looking at roller hockey, um, it's a legitimate sport. It's not just, you know, bastard stepchild to, to ice hockey. And, <laughs> and, you know, when we did stuff, I mean, back then we were, you know, um, like the hockey news, that's back when you had publications like the hockey news and they would do a two page spread on Narch and, you know, all those pictures they were real professional and they looked you keep flipping and anything that was out of an ice rink didn't look as good as what we were doing with Narch. And, and, and I've just kind of always kept that standard and try to even raise it a little. <clears throat> Talking about content, you, uh, you've had Lionel out there for a couple of years now. How did you, how did you meet Lionel? <laughs> he came out on his own. Um, you know, some people said, Hey, you got to meet this guy, blah, blah. He loves Narch. Um, and he came out and he just came out on his own too. He came out on his own. I want to say in 2015, um, to Florida. And I remember him following oh, okay. me around the whole tournament. It's like, uh, I want to, inter-, you know, I can't, can't fake his accent, but he's like, <laughs> I want to interview you. I'm like, ah, maybe, you know, later. It's like, I want to interview you later. So finally the last, I think it was like the last day he's like there. <laughs> I've, I've, I've tried so hard I want to bug but you need to give me an interview before I go home alright Lionel I'll give you give me an interview so um, we just started talking and I saw some of what he was capable of doing and I thought you know what this guy you know he's 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 not an, an ego guy he just wants to he wants to share content he does a great job um you know, and, and we just have a, we've become really, really good friends. He stays at my house. I think he's a great human being and he's very talented and it's just been a true win-win for not only Narch, but the sport. So cheers to Lionel. Yeah. This yeah. is his birthday like a week ago, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think Sunday, maybe Saturday, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's, uh, when you introduced me to him last, uh, last winter nationals, uh, he's, he's just an awesome guy. He's just yeah. so nice. He's so cool. And he's always, you know, wanting to just help grow the game roller. So sending me videos, it's just, it's, it's absolutely insane how much work and content he puts in. And it's, it's really cool to see too, his love for the game. 
Yeah. Because he's hopped up, hop up on chocolates all the time. Oh, man. <laughs> I don't know if you guys know that's his little. So he'll come come to the States and he goes and buys. He'll go to like that's like one of his big shopping things. Like I got to go to Target before I go home. And he goes and he buys so much chocolate to take back to. I remember that. What was he like Reese's or there was some certain. Yeah. Didn't you say that they don't have like peanut butter in France or something like that? (laughs) Something like that. I don't, I don't know what it is, but there's candies here that we just take for granted that he's, he's just like, Oh, these are the best. (laughs) Those almond joys. You, uh, talking about Europe, you had, we had Narch. Was it a regionals there you had one year or it was like Narch. Europe? It was a European tournament. Yeah, it was just kind of a, it was in Sheffield. Um, How did that come about? Jeez, I don't even know what year that was. Um, was yeah, that I didn't even know anything <laughs> I think it was 2004, something around there, uh, maybe 05. Okay. Um, yeah, we just had some good contacts out there and they invited us out and we knew that we could, uh, there were, we knew some teams from Ireland that would come and, um, so once we felt, oh, and we had a, a, a commitment from the, uh, um, from the Iska Grizzlies. They said, if you, you know, if you do that, we'll bring some teams. So I think they brought four teams, which, nice. you know, obviously was a big draw for the European teams to have teams from, from uh, America come out. And uh, that was, you know, in terms of size, it was nothing crazy. It was like a 24, 2018 tournament or something like that, but everybody had an absolute blast. I got to, you know, hang out in uh, Sheffield, but we went to, yeah, we got into a little bit of trouble, a couple places we went, went to Nottingham, which was interesting. Um, but yeah, it was some cool, it was neat. It was a neat experience. Yeah. I remember, uh, I think it was like maybe in the magazine or somewhere. I remember seeing that and I was like, that is the coolest thing. I was like, Narches, they have tournaments in Europe now. And then I just always thought that was a cool thing. I always remembered that. So we, you know, we've been asked a lot to come over and, and do something here, there. And, and I, I'm certainly not close minded to it. I, I would love to expand wherever we can, but it just kind of has to make sense. Like I don't want to, for, you know, South America is perfect example. You know, uh, like everyone's like, Oh, you got to come do a tournament here. Well, what I don't want to happen is I don't want to go do a tournament in South America. And then all of a sudden, Nobody, none of the Colombian teams want to come to Narch finals because they just felt like they had Narch, their own experience of Narch in their backyard. I want them to come see what Narch is really all about, especially if they've never been there, not just, you know, the name on it. In fact, Koji, you guys probably don't know Koji, but Koji from Japan, I gave him the opportunity years ago. He used to always bring teams from Japan. Uh, Women's team, 35 and over team. The team misconduct? Yeah. Yeah. Religiously for years, he'd bring teams over. And yeah, they got, I mean, they took their lumps at the beginning, but, um, they, they meddled a couple times. I wouldn't say they were, they were good, good, but they came from where they started to where the last time they played, they certainly were, were much better. But, um, my point is he's like, Hey, do you mind if I attach Narch to our tournament here? Like, well, you know, you've been a big supporter. As long as you keep bringing teams and stuff, yeah, I don't mind if you attach Narch to it. So you attach the Narch bear. And then it kind of like, to my point, it's like stuff started trickling down. It's like all of a sudden he invites some referees that are Narch referees over to Japan. And they go and they go to Japan for two weeks. Well, now it's time for me to get get my refs together for the Narch finals. 
Oh, well, they can't go because they went to Japan for two weeks. So all the vacation time's yeah. gone. It's like, all right, well, this is kind of working against me here in, in more ways than it's helping me. So but a lot of good people all over the world that love the sport and, and love an arch. So I'm pretty fortunate. No, oh, yeah, that's a, that's pretty cool. I didn't know that they, I mean, you didn't really have a Narch one in Japan, but kind of had your name attached to it, which is, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Narch. Well, t- again, to the, to the Japanese teams, they think that's Narch because yeah. that's the Narch <laughs> yeah. Bear logo. And I yeah. kind of just scratched my head going, ah, that's not really the point. I want you to come to the Narch finals. I don't, yeah. But yeah. anyway, it is what it is. you, you've had Narch in North America and in Europe and stuff, where do you want to put Narch for like a dream location? Where would you want to like, and if you were to put it anywhere? Hmm. I mean, do you mean to try to have the biggest tournament or just a, I mean, up to, I'll be honest with you. There's, the a place, there's a place right behind me. If I open these blinds, you won't be able to see out of them, but um, <laughs> the place in Del Mar, uh, it's the racetrack, but there's a, a like a, an arena. It's kind of like Irvine. It's covered and it's, you could fit a hockey rink in there and you've got wow. the ocean breeze and it's just absolutely gorgeous. Like if I ever hit the lottery and I decided to do a, call it a, uh, call it a, a YouTube slash pro slash reality show about <laughs> hockey players where they're all going <laughs> to hang out here and they're all going to play in this thing yeah. down there and they're all going to hang out on the beach and we're going to record it all. And, show people, you know, how much fun roller is and how great the people are that play. I'd do it right behind me. I mean, that place is just, it's epic. And I could, I mean, I know everywhere around here to show guys a good time and record them and make sure that they have the time of their lives. Yeah. But I mean, we, I I think, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh no. I was just going to say, I think that was the only, uh, it's the only horse track I've been to uh, a couple of years ago. We had a fantasy football draft out there and Casey and, uh, Casey and company took us out there. So yeah, that, that is a beautiful area. Yeah, it really is. Um, you know, we've thrown around the idea a little bit too. I, I, Rob, I think I've talked to you a little about it. It's never really, again, it would take some money to pull this off and it would take a lot of like-minded people. But what I would love to do is get a lot of, you know, Dwyer, picture yourself about three, four years ago before you got into the position you're in with the, the, the rink. Um, but take guys that absolutely have a passion for the sport that want to make a living in the sport. They just, they don't, they don't know how, they don't know how to set up a program. They don't know how to kind of get started, but they're good, good guys that know a lot about hockey that kids look up to. So they almost like need a, a guidance as to like, all right, well, what can we, and it would benefit the sport. Like what can, how can we get these guys to start a program to start coaching kids the way I did in my twenties and other people did the same way, Tim, you know, we all started kind of that way. And then, you know, we graduated onto what we're doing, but that's what the sport needs to continue to grow. It needs some new uh, blood in the, in the coaching ranks. And, you know, there's some examples of that. I mean, uh, you know, take a Will Shepard out here. You know, there, there are some young guys that love the sport that are, that are certainly into coaching, but it'd be cool to get them all out here and have some fun and get on the rink and kind of, you know, share ideas and get, you know, kind of a, uh, um, 
uh, a map or game plan, if you will, for them to go back to wherever they're from and then offer some support when they have questions and stuff to really get them up and get a program going. I mean, we've got all the resources. I mean, where do you get jerseys? Boom. That's a phone call. You know how, I mean, there are things that we can do. They just need to, they need to get enough people interested to, to be able to start a program and they need to find some good team moms and, that's how we can get the sport back to growing in, in a way. Oh yeah. I think I remember, you know, I was talking about that. Uh, it's a, a lot of people don't know how to, they might want to get back into the sport, but like you said, they might not know how to, and someone that has lived it and now has, you know, living proof of it, you know, it's, I think that'd be a pretty cool opportunity. You know, if that was to happen, people would love to take advantage of. Yeah. Well, we can, I mean, again, maybe we, it'd be cool to document it all. It'd be cool to, you know, to get them all out on a rank, showing different drills. I mean, almost, you know, it's like, all right, it's your turn. Show us the best drill you got. Here's, here's, here's 30 kids. You all right. This is, this is it's almost like, you know, like every other reality show, here's 30 kids. You got people judging. All right. Take <laughs> these 30 kids. Let's show show me a drill. Um, you got to keep in mind what the skill set is with the kids that you're working with. You can't teach them, you know, NHL flow drills when half the kids can't stick handle, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta be a good coach basically. So it'd be, that'd be a neat thing to watch. The biggest thing is behind the scenes stuff and the content. Cause you can definitely produce something like oh, that. For sure. It's, people love that. People eat that stuff up too. And it, you get someone going back there telling their friends like, dude, wait until this comes out. It's just, <laughs> it trickles down to more people and more people too. Well, what would be cool is to follow the success of it. So a couple of some of the, let's say you get, God, we're going way off on a tangent here, but let, let's say you get eight guys out. All right. Yeah. And uh, let's say that three of them do a kick-ass job. And next thing you know, they've got teams at the summer tournaments the next year and they're all running four or five, 16 programs and they're giving kids private lessons, of, you know, and they're doing it right. Well, the next year, once everybody sees that happen the next year, you tell me that a whole bunch of new guys aren't going to be wanting to come experience that same experience and get the same thing and do the same thing that they just watched, you know, their slightly older peers just do. It'd be cool. Yeah. I think it would be awesome. It'd be really cool to see too. Just the sport grow because kids been back growing, really going, growing organizations. Yeah. Um, is we, you were talking about how the Narch East coast was canceled for this year. I was, we all know that. Is it going back to Florida in 2021? I hope so. We, uh, we've, he was supposed to get a hold of me this week and we were going to have that conversation about it. I know that they're dealing with, obviously they're dealing with a lot, you know, now that we ruled out that we can't have our event, they're probably figuring out what concerts they're going to be able to do, or if they can, you know, if, if they are even able to have it, I mean, they're not going to have any big concerts soon. That's hundred percent sure. But you know, are they going to be able to use utilize the facility and when are they going to be able to do that? I mean, we're all kind of hurting together and that's, you know, as much as I'm really, uh, you know, at times, feeling defeated because I can't even work right now. I think about all the rinks too. Like if, you know, I, I, I'm at the mercy of the rinks. If the rinks all close, I can't run kick-ass tournaments. So I, I feel bad for a lot of the people who are, you know, that own the facilities that are not quite sure what's going to happen. Hopefully they can hang on and <clears throat> we can all get back to running stuff soon, but um, scary times for sure. Absolutely. It's kind of just uncertain. I mean, no one really knows either. 
Give us a Casey story. <laughs> a Casey story? An escargot story. Oh, boy. I got more Jake stories than Casey stories. Um, <laughs> we'll take Jake, whichever. <laughs> Jake's, Jake's, or, uh, Casey's been pretty removed. I mean, um, you know, he's just, he, he's just such a nice kid. I, I mean, I remember, he's not going to like it, but man, he was like this, just like this little chubby kid that people just didn't think much of when he was on the rink, but, but he, he got it done. He, he was just a really, really solid player. Good shot. Smart kid. Backhand. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I remember having a conversation with Ron about a Lindenwood and, and I hope he, uh, they'll probably both laugh about it now, but I'm like, Ron, I'm going to be honest. The kid doesn't look like much, but you got to trust me. You got to watch him play. Yeah. And you, you gotta, you gotta just watch how he sees the rink and, and what he does. And, um, God, I mean, mean Casey sound terrible right now. I don't mean it like that. I just mean, no, like, no, no, no. Like you, I, I know exactly. Gonna... I know exactly what you mean. He came out here. So the first time Ronnie met me, uh, he, he came out for like his winter cup here at RMR once one year. And he brought, he had, um, Alex Carroll, Elliot Linton, Wes Schaefer, Casey, yourself and net Rob. And then Kyle Phelps from here, it was a team of five and they played like juniors and, and the men's division or whatever. There's only five of them. Elliot has asthma to begin with. So he's like every other ship basically. But I remember watching Casey and, and we were all like, yo, who's this kid? And what's this crazy name on his back of his jersey? I don't know if it was a State Wars jersey or what. No, he had his high school jersey from there too. Oh, okay. And he's just coming down the wing and it just hitting short side high gloves, <laughs> like short side high block. And it's just like, holy shit. But yeah, he's, he's a little bowling ball. He's got that frame that like you're not going to really get him off the puck and he can kind of wiggle into some spots and just like you said, he's got those big meaty forearms and he's just boom, boom. Like every time he was, yeah, he was a real joy to coach. Obviously comes from a good family, listens well. Um, I knew that, uh, I knew that he'd be fine at, at Lindenwood, but, uh, yeah, I can't say enough. And now he's got a great job and, and you know, he's doing well. I don't, I think they're getting married soon or they're engaged. Yeah. yeah. They're engaged. I don't know when the wedding is. We were him and I were talking about that and trying to coordinate a little bit, but, uh, yeah, but, but yeah, no, no K- Casey's the man. I got to live with him for a couple I, of years. I, and just like you said, great, great family. The weekend that year, I got to work with you and work with him. I got to hang out with them in San Diego for a week and he showed me San Diego and I, I love San Diego. It is just absolutely beautiful there. So yeah, it's uh it's an awesome family. Lori and Ernie are two of the greatest people on the planet. So sorry, I can't uh, give you, uh, you know, really any That's good okay. Casey juice. Cause I've he, got enough. He, I just he, didn't even <laughs> when he worked for me, like he was real professional. He did a good job. So, you know, of course we had some moments out of, out of the bar where we'd have a few pops and stuff and both a little more giggly than we would be otherwise, but nothing really crazy with Casey. He would show up the next work, work the next morning and do a great job. So, yeah. <laughs> the bulldog. <laughs> what's uh what's the your first impression when you saw kevin or ever met kevin swire yeah <laughs> um i don't i really don't nothing really sticks out i mean i got was, one he, i got all right, one all right, maybe you can you can we, wheel me into this <laughs> no this is actually pretty great so it's in toronto this this year that i'm doing this internship for darren perfect yeah. setup for me i need an internship for my degree 
So I'm like, Hey, Darren, can I, can I come out? Can I work with you a little bit here? And, and, you know, it's just an internship. Like you don't have to pay me. So Darren put me up um, in Toronto, got me some meals and stuff like that. First day of Toronto. I, I, I'm kind of like, I don't exactly know what I'm doing. I know I'm kind of doing some media stuff and whatnot and you know, whatever. And, and I just think it's, you know, casual. I come down in like a t-shirt and like basketball shorts and Casey, when we're in the, the hotel room, I was room with Casey. Casey's like, you got anything else? I'm like, I think I'm fine. And Casey just goes, okay. <laughs> and so we get down to the lobby, we get outside and, and it's day one or, or the first day that we're doing shit at the rink. And Darren comes down and he just looks at me and he's like, is that all you have? <laughs> and I was like, I mean, I have like, another pair. He's like, go put on something that looks a little bit better than that, please. And like just walked away. And I just looked at Casey and Casey's like, I told you, <laughs> like I told you to Case, put something Casey else knew. on. Yeah. Casey yeah. Knew. No, Casey knew it was funny, but yeah, I, I was, I was an idiot thinking I'm just going to be in basketball shorts and a t-shirt representing Narch. <laughs> yeah. What did you think you were going to do with that? I don't know. Well, we were doing- he, he probably just didn't know. I mean, my, my thought was, all right, I knew, I knew the tool that I wanted him to use, but I don't know him well enough to know if he's going to be able to figure this thing out. I mean, it's basically like it's a robo cam. It's, it's a joystick. Like you're playing a video game. Um, really that's the best way to describe it. And you just got to be able to anticipate the play and follow the play. And you're the high center angle. So like and, broadcast angle. Okay. So, okay. so Jason, who's on the switcher, like, and we've got other camera guys too. Like if Vickerman was down low with the shoulder camera. If it's, it's funny now you remember all this because when Tim was talking about how, how state wars was just <laughs> coming out with this new concept <laughs> of replays and stuff, you're like, Oh, it's just cutting edge. But here it is five years earlier. <laughs> You were running a joystick from the high angle. Like you, you did you get amnesia after that tournament? I must have. I must have. I was filming Tim's team too in the pro championship that they won that. You were, you were. I know. I know. The other funny story that day, I think it was the first time I met Monroe and I think the Cayman team was, or the Namibians were there. The Namibian team was there, I believe. And so we were like, Hey, let's get a good little, let's get a clip of these guys. And, uh, (laughs) I've got a camera and like, he, he's like, so get me like a, like an establishing shot into them doing this. And so like, I do what I think he's asking for. And he like looks at it and he's like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> and I'm like, Dude, I don't know all the lingo. All right. Like I'm, I'm here just trying. And he's like, he's like looking through the pic. He's like, none of this is going to work. And I'm like, this is the guy I've got to work with for the next three weeks. Like he's over me already. He's <laughs> over just like Darren said, they put me up on the robo camera doing, doing all that. And like day by day, I kind of got a little bit better, a little bit better to the point where Jason's looking over at me. We're sitting next to each other. He's on the switcher and he's like, you know, I can get you a job doing this. I'm like, yesterday you didn't know what the fuck I was doing. And now I'm getting a job. (laughs) So yeah, that, that tournament, man, that was, that was such a blast. Those were, those were three great weeks in Toronto, man. That was, that was a lot of fun. That's just bipolar Monroe. You're talking about. Right? I, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm kidding. He's a great guy. He's killing no, it. He's, now, of he's, course. I he's, know, man, yeah. he's busy. Yeah. For he's sure. either fishing or he's filming. It's one of the, one or the other. 
<laughs> That's unreal. Well, uh, Darren, we've been on here for about an hour. I want to say thank you for joining us, joining for the pod. This was a lot of fun just talking to you about some Narch, finding out what's going on this year. And uh, yeah, it was awesome. Uh, boys, do you have anything else to say? No. So no, say, just uh, go ahead, Kev. I was just going to say, Jordan, like think of one more question. Cause I feel like I didn't, any, all your questions, I just kind of did not do a very good job. So you got, g- give me um, one more question. Okay. One more question. I got one. So right. you, the, you have the Adams, you have the small kids, you have the small kids. What is the best part about seeing their joy when coming to a Narch tournament and seeing them when they're six years old and then seeing them when they're 16 and 18, still playing in your tournament? You just answered all your own questions, Jordan. Once again, <laughs> I mean, when they're, when they're tiny, obviously it's just, it's, it's unbelievable to see these little, well, let me rephrase, little, let me rephrase. Do you, when you see the kid at that young age, do you, do you know when a kid is, do you know if that kid's going to be there when he's 16? Like, can you tell? Some you can, some you can't. It just, it just kind of, I mean, some kids just have it. Like they have charisma on the rink. They, you can tell like if, they get rubbed out. They're going to go rub somebody out. Like they just have like a little more killer instinct than other kids, even at that age. And if they're already a good player, they're kind of, you know, they've got a leg up, but, uh, it's the six U is just, it's hilarious. I, the way they sell after, <laughs> after some of it. And you can kind of, I mean, you've been doing it long enough. You can tell like, all right, these, this is probably scripted. Like this, kids, crazy parents probably showed him how to do this. And this is what they want him to do. But then other ones are just so natural and so good. Like you could tell, like they're just watching NHL players and kind of copying or whatever. They're making up their own stuff. And so the six you sellies and the emotions are, are unbelievable. And then to see them continue to play. I mean, again, that's one of the coolest things about Narch and one of the coolest things about me keeping all of this stuff. You know, I, you guys have put up stuff with like um, Troy Terry from yeah. from Toronto not too long ago playing six U. So to have that history and see those kids playing for so long, it's it's cool. It's probably the most rewarding part of my job, to be honest with you. What was it like getting to see Rocco play at that young of an age? Oh, <laughs> uh, Rocco. I saw him play a lot because I was still coaching at that time. In fact, um, the team I was coaching with Casey and AJ like Rocco would single-handedly kind of roll through our team, even though he was a 93 and he, I mean, I think Casey's a 91, right? Yeah. Um, so we had to play against him and he was playing up, you know, a whole division and he would still score a couple. He'd like, he was still the kid we had to stop if we we're going to beat that team. Um, having said that, like so many people, I didn't think that he would be able to make it to the highest level. I thought to myself, and I, I did the same thing with Sigmund. Um, I was, maybe it's because of just the era that I grew up in where, you know, it was kind of power forward and, and everything. When I would see a, a, a really small guy, I would think to myself, like, they're not going to, they're not going to continue up the ranks because eventually their size is going to catch up to them. And it still does with a lot of kids, but with Rocco in particular, I, I just remember thinking that strongly. I thought, you know, both of his parents are, are pretty, pretty small in stature. And I thought this kid is so talented. I just wish he was a little bit bigger so he could make it. And then to see him still make it through all the adversity and, and everything. And, you know, and he, he's obviously a big believer in God, which I think is awesome. And, you know, and he, he's never wavered from that. And it, 
you know, he was, he's, he's played an underdog his own whole life up to the point where he was playing a high level of hockey because of his size. And so stoked to see him sign a contract and, and do what he's doing. And, and yeah, I mean, we knew at a young age, like this guy is super special, but in the back of my mind, I thought it's going to end at some point it's going to end when he's 17, 18, 16, whatever. And guys start, you know, rock and Rocco, then it's, you know, that's going to be the end of it. But boy, was I wrong. He hits too. Like he, he put like, Oh, he grinds, man. It's it's awesome to watch him. I really like watching him. On on the same note, you got to see uh, you got to see the big dog lift the cup this summer. Yeah, yeah. How was that yeah, last? Yeah, it was very very summer. cool. I mean, he he, uh, he, he kind of the d- different different set of circumstances. Yeah, say. for sure. You know, um, when we saw, uh, he's going to hate me if he hears me say this, but you know, his nickname used to be Fat Pat. Back in the don't laugh like it, it was his his like it, it only his good friends would call him that. But um, I remember having a conversation with uh, with Rob, his uncle in Florida one year. And this was right before I think he went to play uh, in Texas to play whatever that was um, a minor league. But he was going to play for is it the tornadoes or something? The Texas tornadoes. Is that right? Yeah, but I just remember talking to Rob, and he was talking like, "Yeah, he's got to He needs to lose some weight and stuff." But you know, but he always had the hands. Like his hands were just for a big kid. His hands were unbelievable, and um, you know, you could. He always played tough. I remember, you know, him and Rock Shawnee going at it pretty good in a, in a championship game back in the day. But um, uh, yeah, big uh, big big dog fan. See, uh, he uh, big rig. <laughs> He, big uh, Greg. Big he's, Greg. He's he's special. Special guy, special player. And his brother's a piece of work as well. <laughs> Good old Philly Phil. Yeah, he's he's awesome too. Well, I just want to say thank you again, Darren, for joining us. That was a that was an unreal time getting to talk to you and learn more about Narch. Uh it's always get the it's always fun getting to hear more roller history and you know where it was to where it's today. It's you know two different games and appreciate both of them, but it's it's really cool to hear about, you know, the time that we didn't get to see and the time you got to grow up during and uh live through. Well, I'm sorry to jump all over the place. I feel like I tried to cram 20 years of shit into basically an hour, but, um, which is hard to do, but I appreciate you guys having me on. You guys are obviously killing it with this thing. Uh, Rob, all the content you're putting out, you know, you guys are, no, you know, with the three of you guys, it's, it's, it's cool. I listened to a lot of them. I really enjoyed the Chucky slick one a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> that guy, he, uh, he, that was a roller coaster. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and you know, you know, that's just scratching the surface on, yeah. on what he has to offer. He's absolutely. Uh, do you, uh, do you, you know, ending this pod, you got a story about Chucky? <laughs> Nothing good, really. I mean, he, he just, he's a cool cat. Yeah. Um, you know, we kind of, we've had a few beers a couple times. I met him down in PB one time. We played, in fact, uh, we played some, uh, what the hell you call it, with uh, some sauce, with sauce kit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, nice. So I had Travis down, and Travis was there too. So Travis and Chucky oh, nice. and and some of the other local guys, a couple of the goals players that that Chucky had knew. I think McCray was down, so it was a good crew down on the beach in okay. PB. That's awesome, uh, saucing it up. But um, yeah, don't really. Other than that, I mean, 
No, I, I don't really street duck around with them too much, but uh, <laughs> I'd love to. I wish I was a little younger. I'd love to. <laughs> one one last question for me. Favorite player of yours all time to watch, like roller hockey? I don't have one. Okay. <laughs> My son. There you go. There Boom. you go. Okay. Yeah, there you go. I like that. I like that. Well, hey, Darren, thank you again for joining the pod. We'll, go, we'll catch you guys on the next one. All right. Keep up the good work.